I don't do it, I'll make the prayer flat when I try to put a cable. <laughs> All right, why don't we uh, gather back together? <coughs> and when you uh, When you come back together, you can just stay standing. We will uh, read together to start. This is worse than a uh, middle school class, a teacher trying to get the class to pay attention. All right, let's gather together. All right, we're going to have the text up on the screen Matthew 1, 18 through 25, we can stay standing. I'll go ahead and read it. Uh, this is in the New Living Translation. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her, until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. You can have a seat. 
Father, we, uh, we come to you this Advent morning, and we, we thank you for this text in Matthew that we're going to look at this morning, where the wonder of your birth comes into full view. The wonder of the Immaculate Conception comes into full view for us, where the precious Son of God enters the womb through the precious Holy Spirit of God to save the world, to rescue the world from sin, from darkness. God, all of us this morning need that reminder, no matter where we're at. Lord, we recognize that some of us in this room are struggling. This is not a good season of life. It's a hard season of life weighed down by the weight of the world, the weight of sin, the weight of brokenness, the weight of darkness, whether it's strife, anxiety, depression, fear, worry, struggle. We know many in this room are there right now, needing your word, needing your reminder, Jesus, of who you are to help them, to help us go one step further in our journey with you. Some of us are in a great season. Things are going really well. Um, We're encouraged. We're close with you. Our circumstances are good. We praise you for that, Lord. But equally, we need your word. We need your reminder of who you are, that life isn't always that way. We praise you when it is, but we know, Lord, that seasons come and seasons go. You tell us that. God, this morning... We submit to the Bible as the authority of our life. The culture is not our authority. A certain teacher is not our authority. A certain cultural opinion is not our authority. The word of God, the written scriptures, are our authority over our life. We don't come here over the Bible. We come here underneath it. Your word is truth. And this morning, remind us and convict us that the Bible is your word in your authority, no matter how the times change. Jesus, we thank you for your word and the hope it brings us. In your name, amen. So this Advent season, we're looking, as Sam mentioned last week, at the light of Christ shining into darkness. It is a theme every Advent season. It's a theme of Christmas. It's a theme throughout the stories of Jesus' birth, and we're gonna focus on it the next few weeks here in church. And this week, we're actually going to be looking at the light of Christ entering the darkness of Mary and Joseph's situation uh, that, we just, that we just read about. And you're going to see this morning that we actually have a lot in common with Mary and Joseph in the story that we, we just read. And to begin, I, I want to ask each of us a question. As you think about your own life, have you ever had to bear uncertainty and shame? as you waited vindication of a situation. Uh, Someone has accused you of something, or maybe you were grossly misunderstood. Uh, There was a season of bearing intense uncertainty and even shame of others, and maybe even shame that you started to feel about the situation, even though you were misunderstood or, or misrepresented. And for a while, you just had to sit in it. You were powerless. Can any of you guys relate to that? No nods. Maybe it's just me. But then, light shone into the situation. 
Uh, the, truth, the truth came forward. Uh, maybe a situation at work where people didn't understand something that happened, and they're blaming you, and then a third party steps forward and brings clarity to the situation, and your boss sees clearly about what happened, uh, and your job days are a lot less stressful. Or maybe there's a relational or family brokenness uh, where you were accused of certain behavior that just wasn't accurate. And for a long time, you had to bear the division, the pain. But then you were able to explain yourself. A door of opportunity opened. You were able to, to clarify you know, what had gone on. And people slowly started to see you in a better light. They started to see you clearly. They recognized your intentions were not to hurt someone in the family or a friend, but, but they were misrepresenting it. They were, they were not understanding it. And in our text this morning, we're going to see that Mary and Joseph had to bear a similar darkness of uncertainty and shame until the light of Christ shone in their darkness. And then we're going to see how they walked in the midst of uncertainty and shame with the light of Christ. Um, so we're going to have three sections. We're going to first look at the darkness of uncertainty and shame. We're then going to see light, the light of Christ, entering that uncertainty and shame. And then lastly, we're going to see that we can walk, all of us, like Mary did, we'll see in the rest of the, the text, as vindicated children of light in the midst of our own uncertainty and shame. So if you have your Bibles, you can just leave them open to Matthew 1 this morning, 18 through 25. We'll be there a few times. But looking at the darkness of uncertainty and shame, what is it? What was it? What happened? This is how the, Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the Holy Spirit, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now, some of us, I think, gloss over this part of the story, um, but actually it's really important because the culture in this time, the whole concept of marriage and procreation was very different. In our context, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but it's assumed that people are going to have children out of wedlock, right? I mean, that's just normal. That's become the norm. Um, people not only have children out of wedlock, that's becoming the norm and is certainly the norm now. Um, so for us as, you know, Americans in our context, we might look at this and think, well, what, you know, they had a baby out of wedlock and... What's the, what's the fuss? What's the big deal? Um, people in our context get married much later now. Mid-upper 30s is becoming the norm. Um, so even marriage itself is, is starting to be, become different. In this context, marriage, you were eligible for marriage in, as a teenager. And uh, most men and women in all the marriages were arranged. The, the, father's fam uh, the, the son's family would choose a wife um, and uh, in the teenage years, they would marry. Um, marriage was revered 
Uh, it was seen as incredibly significant, especially in, in uh, the Jewish culture when you look at the story of Genesis and how God brought man and woman together in marriage. That was taken very seriously. Having children equally was seen as very important. In fact, the, the, the consequences of this, the consequences of having a child out of wedlock, do you guys know what the consequence was in this context? Public stoning. Um, again, in our context, the idea of having a child out of wedlock I would even argue you're kind of seen as weird if you think it's not normal. So as a Christian, if you say, I don't think it's okay that I'm still going to love the people, but I don't think it's right or, or God's will that someone would have a child out of marriage. In our culture, you'd be seen as the bizarre one, figuratively stoning. Right? That's, that's what we live in. But not so in this day. The law, the culture, the public opinion was all weighted toward full agreement with Joseph on this. If Mary was, it was discovered that she had had an affair, and legally this would have been termed adultery, even though they weren't married, they were engaged, um, it would have been legally defined if the people had decided to put a lawsuit forward, it would have been defined legally as adultery. And then she would have been stoned if they had followed through with the full extent of the law. Now, in most cases, the law was not brought fully to bear. Regardless, there was a risk. There was a lot at stake here. So, Joseph is sitting in this uncertainty and shame. What happened here? What is going on? I thought I knew this girl. I thought I understood what was, this was going to be. We're about to get married. All of a sudden, she's pregnant. We live in a small town. Nazareth at the time was 400 people. It's this little hill, hill town. In fact, Nazareth is still a town. You guys can Wikipedia it, and it's this little hill. Actually, I was looking at it. I pictured Jesus kind of running up and down the hill. It's this little hill, little hill town. And you can literally see Nazareth, and you... Jesus lives somewhere in there. His house is somewhere. It's really cool to look at. You know, it's still a town today. Um, but it's only 400 people. Let me ask you guys a question. Do rumors happen and, and word about things get around in our church? Ever? Maybe in the last few years? Has anything ever gotten around our community? Wondering? Questioning? Suspicion? Has that ever happened? Maybe it's just me. Do you think stuff would have gotten around Nazareth? This is about Nazareth, a few more. This is Nazareth, public town meeting. What, did, what would Mary do? What happened to Mary? What should we do? What should we do about her? The situation was intense. They weren't in this huge city like Boston or LA or New York City where they could kind of hide this. This was in a small backpath country town where there was no hiding. The situation was intense. There was so much uncertainty for Joseph. There was so much potential shame. I bet he already felt shame internally about this. What the heck happened? What am I supposed to do? Now Mary seems to have believed what the angel told her about this baby, but I wonder if she also wondered what was going to happen. What the heck is going to happen here? What are people going to think of me? 
There's so much uncertainty, so much potential shame for Mary. There's so much potential darkness in their situation where their lives in a small little town could be changed forever and potentially for the worse, depending on how this goes. And so can we start to see why Joseph thought, you know what? I'm going to just distance myself from this and run the other way and hope that we can avoid public shame somehow. And I wonder if we can relate to this um, in, our, in our context. Does, does following Jesus, see, because Jesus, the Father was calling Mary and Joseph into something here. He was calling them into following his plan for the world, right? He was inviting them in. The child in your womb is going to save the world from their sin. I'm inviting you into my plan. And it appears that part of being invited into that plan is there can be some uncertainty in your life. There can even be some potential shame of how others might view you. Now, of course, we're not bearing the perfectly holy Son of God, but, but in a similar way, we are joining Mary and Joseph in the mission of God in the world, bringing salvation to the nations. And I wonder if we can relate to that feeling of uncertainty and shame as we participate in that like they were here. That sense, that feeling of things are hard. Things might even feel dark as we walk with Jesus, the narrow and hard road as Jesus defines it. Let's not forget that's how he defines it, right? Narrow, hard. Now, procreation, marriage may not be the uh, procreation may not be the issue that we face today, but are there other issues that may bring these things into our lives? Have you ever taken a stand with a watching world or unbelieving friends or neighbors or coworkers on issues that are important today that are, that are heated, issues like Jesus being the only way to the Father? If you tell someone today, your neighbor, maybe a family member, a coworker, that Jesus is the only way to the Father, is that going to bring some uncertainty in your relationship? Could it bring some shame that they see you as someone who's judgmental and narrow-minded? Could it? Could, it bring, could that come into your life? Could it change your work situation if you told your supervisor Jesus was the only way to the Father? Would it change? Would it change your next-door neighbor relationship if you said that the Bible was the ultimate authority for your life, even though it says hard things that our culture doesn't agree with? If you made that public stand, like Joseph and Mary are being called into making a public stand, that this child was not out of wedlock. He was born of immaculate conception. They have to make, they're going to have to take a stand on that. They're going to have to walk in faith. If you did that with your next-door neighbor, would it bring uncertainty and shame into your life, potentially, and change the dynamics of the relationship, maybe forever? Do you guys think it would? It might. And if so, what do we do with that? How do we walk in that darkness and continue to follow Jesus? Or lastly, issues in our culture are ramping up, as we all know. Issues surrounding marriage, issues surrounding sexuality, 
issues surrounding gender that are central to the framework of Scripture, that are central to creation itself. If we take stands on these issues, is it going to bring uncertainty and shame into our life? I think all of us can relate with Mary and Joseph, that there are times when following him brings these things into our life. And so where's our hope? How do we, like Mary and Joseph, persevere in the darkness even when uncertainty and shame are brought into our life? And God asks us to continue being faithful, to continue following him. And ultimately what we need is his light, the light of Christ himself, the light of the Holy Spirit that entered Mary created Christ as an infant, as a newborn, in her, in her body, we need that same light entering our life and our situations. Verse 20 through 23. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you're to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. In verse 20, As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. The NLT drops the word behold. That word is in most of the other translations in your Bibles. And it's an important word. It's a Greek word that has this emphatic meaning. Uh, And that's why I read it emphatically. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. The word is is behold, wake up, pay attention. It's, It's like snapping you out when your parents, if you have young kids, you snap your fingers, come on. Wake up, pay attention to me. Same thing in Greek. The angel is saying, Joseph, knock it off. Knock it off. Don't stay in this place of hopelessness and shame that's, that's making you think about divorcing her. Your commitment to her, your commitment to this son who's about to be born is crucial. It's part of God's plan for the nations. It's part of his plan of salvation. Wake up. Pay attention. Nazareth, the world around you, doesn't understand the things of God without the Holy Spirit revealing it to them. He didn't come by adultery. He didn't come by Mary doing something she shouldn't have done that would would cause her to be stoned. No. The angel is saying to Joseph, no, wake up. Joseph, you know your Old Testament. You are a son of David. Did you guys see that in the text? Joseph is a son of David, King David, the line of promise. Through your seed, through your line, you see it all throughout the Old Testament, the Messiah is coming. Emmanuel is coming. The angel's reminding Joseph in this dream, Joseph, you know your Old Testament. A lot of Jewish boys... I can't believe this, would have memorized the whole Old Testament. Do you guys know that? 
not all of them, but some of them would have memorized the entire Old Testament as part of their education. Maybe Joseph was one of those. I don't know. Either way, he would have been understanding prophets like Isaiah. For us, when we hear the book of Isaiah, sometimes it, it's a little more challenging because the Old Testament often is not as central to our lives. We tend to gravitate toward the new. But in this day, Joseph knew his Old Testament. And so when the angel starts repeating Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, I bet Joseph leapt in his spirit. I bet he leapt. Like we see with Elizabeth and John the Baptist. I bet Joseph leapt and he said, I get it. I get it. Isaiah promised 800 years before this day that the Messiah would come. And he would come through a virgin. And his name would be Emmanuel, which means God is with us. He's not just the son. He's not just the son of man. He's the son of God himself. He is God with us. As they prayed in the Old Testament, God, would you rend the heavens and would you come down? That's what the people of Israel asked. That's what they needed. Rend the heavens, open the heavens, break them apart and come down to rescue us. That's what we need. I think it came together for Joseph in this vision, in this dream. And the fear that he was facing was overcome. Do not be afraid, Joseph. Isaiah's prophecy is coming true in your fiancé's womb. And so Joseph awakes, and we know, we know the rest of the story. He starts to trust what God is doing, even if it's misunderstood by the people of Nazareth and the watching world. And what is the light that's entered for Joseph and for Mary? We see it here. In verse 21, he will save his people from their sins. In this day, there were other boys called Jesus. In first century Israel, Jesus was not the only one with that name. And oftentimes, when, uh, when uh, Jewish men and women would name their sons Jesus, it was symbolic of freedom, military freedom, God saving his people. Not in this case. What you see in this case is God is similarly, Jesus, they name him that because he's going to save them. But what's he saving them from? It's not Rome. It's not this new land. What is it? It's not included when other families call their sons Jesus. This is unique to him. What is emphasized by the angel? The prophetic word of God given to Joseph says what? Jo- Jesus is going to save them from their sin. That is profound. The light that comes into this situation for Joseph and Mary is even if Nazareth, and by the way, if you think about Jesus' ministry decades later, does Nazareth accept or reject him? What do they try to do to him? They try to push him off a cliff, if you guys remember that, right? They're angry. These are the people he grew up with in his town. It didn't go well in Nazareth. 
But even if you're rejected, even if there's uncertainty as you raise this boy and there's gossip and there's wondering and maybe even people try to stone Mary, even in those things, your sins can be forgiven through the death and resurrection of the one who's in Mary's womb. Not only is your sin going to be forgiven if you call out to him and receive him into your life, but the perfect righteousness that you need, the perfect light and righteousness oftentimes in the Bible go together. All of us have a groaning that we know we need that. We'll use different words. We'll say, I wish I was more holy. I wish I was better. I wish I was good. I wish I was cleaner. I wish I was more full of light. I wish I had righteousness. All of us know not just that we need forgiveness of sin, we all feel that too, but all of us know forgiveness of sin would only get us to zero. We need a righteousness. We need a holiness. That, in this time of year, Giving Tuesday, end of the year giving, we're getting emails all day long, do better, do good. Those are good things. And, it, and it's because all of us as humans know there's this need for something positive, a positive righteousness, a goodness, a holiness, a cleanness. Jesus is bringing that. Jesus is bringing that. That light is entering into the world now, this Advent season, Joseph. And so even in the midst of your rejection, if you have that light of Christ filling your heart, you can endure hard things. You can endure uncertainty. You can endure shame. Because even if you're misunderstood by the world and rejected by the world, your life has an anchor, has a fullness, has a light to it that no one can take away. And I think for us, there's, a, there's an understanding of this. And I think this morning, the Greek word behold, if you remember nothing else from this sermon, maybe that's that. We need to wake up. We need to wake up too. I need to wake up. I need to remember that even as I walk in seasons or, or relationships or situations of uncertainty and shame for following Jesus, there's hope. Light has come into my life as well, even if I don't feel it all the time, even if I'm afraid. Because here's the deal. Our situations that we're in, because maybe as I've been talking, you've been thinking about situations. A situation at work, a situation with a family member. Holidays oftentimes are pressure cookers for these things, right? You have to see that relative. You have to engage that conversation. Um, things at work are stressful. End of the year stuff at work, oftentimes very hard. And you're in a situation where following Jesus is making it really hard for you. Life is hard. And maybe those situations aren't going to change anytime soon. Maybe you're still going to be misunderstood at work, misunderstood by family. Maybe even for some of us, this is hitting really close to home. There's a sense of, of following Jesus is alienating you from your, in your, your immediate family, your extended family. And you don't know what to do. But people in your family look at you who follow Jesus and see you in a negative light because of it. Maybe even they're ashamed of you for claiming the name of Christ and taking a stand on these really important issues that Scripture talks about that are not popular, that are hard, that are painful, that are emotional. And maybe you're sitting here saying, I don't know if I can bear it. This is someone I love, and it's 
It's, it is ripping our relationship apart. And I pray every day that they would see the light of Christ, that I'm not a terrible person, that I'm not trying to ruin their life. I'm trying to offer them hope. I'm trying to offer them eternal life. There's nothing I can do to change them, but I'm trying to point them to the one who can. Emmanuel, God with us, the one who saves. And there's so much uncertainty in your life as you walk this through. There's so much potential shame in this situation. It feels dark. And my encouragement to you this morning is to remember that light has come, even in that darkness. Jesus talks a lot about, especially in the holiday season, as we're thinking about family. That's why it's on my mind a lot this week. Jesus talks a lot about family in the New Testament. He talks a lot about it, more than any other relationships. He understands. He understands what you're going through. In fact, he himself experienced it. My encouragement to you is to stay strong in the light of Christ. Your sins are forgiven. Righteousness has been given to you through the Holy Spirit of God. Your eternity is secure. So even in the darkness, let the light of Christ shine through you. Even to people or situations where it's not understood. And it's actually not seen as light. It's seen as darkness. Remember what Paul said? To some we are what? The aroma of Christ. To some what? The aroma of darkness. The aroma of death. I don't know what's going to happen in those critical relationships in your family. But I do know that we can have courage to persevere. So to end, let's walk as vindicated children of light in uncertainty and shame. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relationships with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. This Advent season, we all have an opportunity Joseph and Mary ran the race after this account here in the beginning of Matthew. We see it throughout the rest of the Gospels. They ran their race. They followed the light of the world. Did they do it perfectly? I don't think so. I think there was some stumbling along the way. Um, his, his siblings and Mary had their moments of not looking so great, but they remained faithful. They continued to walk with him, the light of the world, in uncertainty and shame of people who did not understand them, of a culture, of a system that did not understand them. We're not exactly sure what happened to Joseph. It's likely he died early, as most did. But we do know what happened to Mary. Where was she the day that Jesus took the sin of the world into his body on the cross? When our darkness entered the light of the world, where was Mary? She was one of the few who was at the cross with him, bearing the uncertainty and the shame. Mary learned something in her life about this. Where was she the morning the stone was rolled and light for all time overcame darkness? Where was she? She was there, preparing to anoint 
the body with spices, bearing the uncertainty and shame that that would have been of her own son. And where was she as the church was being birthed into the world, the church that we are now a part of? She was with the women, exhorting the disciples to knock it off and go see the risen light of the world, right? She's exhorting these men, stop hiding. Go see him. He's here. He's here. It's going to cost us our life, but he's here. Will we join Mary and encourage others this Advent season to go see the risen light of the world because he is alive. How does the book of Matthew end? The very book where this starts. Matthew starts his book here. Where does he end it? The Great Commission. Go into the world, Jesus says. I am with you always. You you catch that? The end of the book of Matthew, Jesus' main point is go into the world and tell others about the risen light of the world. And how are you going to do that? How in the world are we feeble, weak, fragile humans who are messed up? How are we going to do that? Jesus says, I am with you always to the end of the age and forever. Where does that come from? That comes from his name, Emmanuel, God with us, that Isaiah prophesied would happen. Do you see how it all comes together? in the book of Matthew? Is there one person, a neighbor, a coworker, a family member, you can encourage to go see the risen light of the world, Emmanuel, God with us, even if it costs you the relationship? Are we willing to walk in that way? Obviously, we do this in a loving, gentle, kind way, but sometimes the good news is not good news to people. And it causes division. In spite of that, are we going to be courageous and continue inviting people to see and start a relationship with the risen light of the world who enters our darkness? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. I pray that you would continue to encourage us, uh, Lord, to um, invite you into our darkness, Lord. All of us here, Uh, have things that are uncertain, things are hard um, that come from following you in this world, in this culture. Um, Lord, no longer do we live in a culture where it's it's normal and good to follow you. Increasingly, it's becoming not so. Um, Give us courage, Lord, to walk in the midst of that as your children, even if it costs us dearly. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? We'll sing Come Thou Long Expected Jesus.